Morning, Lisa, with good. You're on Mornings with Brady Tanner. It's 10 past 10, so it's time to take your seats. Welcome to Movies, Movies, Movies on Mornings with Brady Tanner, featuring Jack and Andre. <laughs> FBI Radio. Hello, Jack and Andre. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. How are you both today? Oh my god, exhausted after the Sydney Film Festival. Just completely. How many films in total did you both see? We. Oh my gosh, I was thinking about this yesterday. So my. Did you count? I counted. It was twenty-four film tickets that I bought. 18 film screenings, uh, so I bought multiple. You bought two- 24? How? Yeah. And uh, I think I've, I think I could, I could remember 12 movies that I'd seen, but also not counting the ones that I had seen outside of the festival that were in the festival. Did so you makes just sense. include the ones that I got as well? The ones that you got? Uh, that fit in your 24 count? No, no, no. That, that oh was just, God, that was just my bill. I got well, a you bill. You did not go to 24. No, no, no. Of course not. No, absolutely not. No. Um, I want to ask anyone listening who went to the Sydney Film Festival, what was your favourite movie you saw? Because, Jack, you were saying that the awards have come out. I didn't even know it was a competition. Uh, 0409 945 945. What was your favourite Sydney Film Festival movie? Mm-hmm. Or experience. Mm. Experience movie. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> All Jack, right. favourite movie? You. You were never really here, I think. Or MIA. Classic, classic, classic. Perfect. I can't decide. We saw so many. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What was yours? I mean, same as yours, obviously. (laughs) I really liked You Were Never Really Here. Yeah. I saw it last night at uh, George Street. There was a huge line. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking, uh, okay, obviously it's some sort of like free taco night or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's basically a taco night. Walking up past this line and then they're like, are you here for the movie? I was like, "Uh, back of the line? Yeah. Yeah. Movies (laughs) only sell out if it's a taco line. (laughs) Let's get into some of this. Movie news. So, we have funny news to open with this week. I'm sure you have all been aware of the... I don't actually know what the name of the meme is, but it's. I think it's been considered the distracted boyfriend meme, where there's the guy walking with a girl next to him, and he's checking out a lady, going, Whoa! and his girlfriend's going, what? Anyway, some film lords are claiming that this is actually a film still that's been revamped into a meme from a Charlie <laughs> Chaplin movie from the 20s. People are claiming that it is actually stolen from Chaplin's film Payday from 1922, in which Chaplin... Played a hardworking man who gets followed home by his wife who's asking for money. <laughs> <laughs> this is fake news. This Aww. is such a stretch. No, it's not. Okay. Because I, I was thinking they've touched up the colours, obviously. <laughs> well, <laughs> they've touched up the colours. They've touched up the camera. It's digital. <laughs> There's actually a fantastic behind the scenes video showing how they've revamped this still from a 20. 20- no, but it's, it's actually. It's like college humour. Someone dressed as Charlie Chaplin. It is college humour, but I, I think it's really cute that people are trying to relate memes to. Times of old. Times yeah. of old. I think so First too. First films. Um, also in fresh smelling news, Call Me By Your Name's got a soundtrack out and it smells like a peach. You yeah. can get the LP, the record, yeah. and put it to your nose and it'll smell like a fresh peach. They're dyeing all the rec- all the vinyls with peach scent. And they've also put like a little s- scent of bean sprouts. or like, Yeah, and yeah. just jizz as well. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so this isn't just a spritz before they send it out. It's actually embedded into the, the mm. vinyl yeah, itself. Yeah, come and yeah. peach if you want the record. Mm-hmm. That'll be. It's also been. <laughs> Can I say that on air? Yes. It's been delivered to people in a Roman artifact as well, packaged up in a suitcase. <laughs> in international film news, a famous African filmmaker considered the father of, Africans, of African cinema. Usman Sembene has a film documentary that came out about him a couple of years ago and it wowed critics at a lot of international film festivals. It went to Cannes, travelled all over America at 
all these prestigious film festivals. It's been sold to a hundred international markets, but it has really it's struggled to find distribution in African countries. It's it's been, it's had like bootleg screenings in Cameroon, and it's been sort of seen at some Ugandan film film school gatherings, but it's really struggled to reach African audiences. So I just came across this article the other day about from the filmmakers who go by the name of. Uh, hold up, hold up, hold up. The name of the filmmakers is Samba, Gajigo and Jason Silverman were just discussing how their film is taking years and years and years to come to light and it's now available on Vimeo so if you want to watch a documentary about this famous African filmmaker you can. It's available to rent. But basically it's finally going to be shown in Africa. It's going to be shown all over Africa and that's the huge thing is that it was just not available in Africa at all Mm. and now all of a sudden they're touring it around the whole continent Mm. and it's just this huge amazing thing But still trying to... Often I feel like you get these films that come from these countries that you know we are so blessed to see but it's actually more important that films made by minorities or made in these countries are shown to themselves mm. you know so sembine is the name of the film it Sembine. is yeah, sembine with an exclamation, yeah, yeah, yeah. exclamation mark yep and it's available online yeah also um in weird news that they've got a sequel to the shining coming out with ewan mcgregor starring what? as the the little boy grown mm-hmm. up it's called dr sleep uh, I've actually read the book because <laughs> I'm a there we go. freak. I don't know why I read it. It was like way back in the day. He like he talks to old people. He's like in a retirement home, and there's vampire witches that like feed off old people. I th- oh no, little girls who have The Shining, or they feed off people that have The Shining. And he like goes to an old folks' home and he helps old folks like go into the other world or like mm. die basically he's like a little cat that sits on the end of a bed well I don't know how many more scary movies I can take after watching <laughs> you were never really here last night um, I t- asked people what their favourite Sydney Film Festival movies were and we've had a few texts in someone saying that they loved Terranullius such a good anarchist feminist retelling of Australian history and Remy you text in favourite movie from the festival was Bulgarian film Aga or uh, Aga? Yes, cool. amazing. Such a beautiful cinematic barren film. <gasps> Ooh, barren? barren film. Barren film. God, we saw so many barren films that I was so excited. I think all my favourite ones ended up being the really fast-paced, violent ones in the end. Barren film, the one criticism that uh, The Shining sequel is not going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to something from Maddie, and when we come back to reviews, you're on Movies, what? Movies, Movies on FBI Radio. Let's keep blowing. Two reviews. One review. And then and then another review. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews on movies, movies, movies here on Mornings with Bridie Tanner. Jack Andre, who is going first for two reviews? I have the pleasure of going first. Uh, Andre, take it away. So it took me a while to put pen to MacBook for me to write the review of the film Disobedience, which is directed by Sebastian Lelio, who has kind of become like probably like the most talked about director and the most urgent director of the moment. Uh, the film is the film is so wonderful in its way it presents its story. It's a has a distinct sensibility that only Sebastian Lelio could kind of pull off, and it follows Rachel Weisz and Rachel McAdams who rekindle a fiery romantic relationship after the death of Weiss's family, who was a huge figure in the Hasidic Jewish community of North London. The setup is Brisky Cold Privet Drive, and it's where both Rachels disobey their community to pursue a powerful relationship. And even though I don't know much about the Orthodox Jewish community they live in, I found this drama seriously dynamic and peppered with moments of fluttery beauty. 
I think dramas are really done this way, and aside from some dull from some dull moments, I think disobedience is strong to the point of innovative. And the six-minute lesbian sex scene was edited by the two actresses, which I think is the first time for a sex scene of that nature. JB, what do you think? Too cold, too grim, Baron? Lay it on me. <laughs> too, no, I thought it was beautiful and very serious, and I felt like a real adult watching it. Mm. I have to say, it, it's and it ends in this beautiful, real. I can't. I don't want to say happy ending because it's not, and I don't want to give anything away. But I just thought that the film worked on so many levels mm. and was the complete opposite of a gay relationship movie that I'm about to review. True. But, I mean, we're both doing Gay Parents in Trouble Mm. this week. Jack, before we get to your review, Andre, what do you give disobedience in a word? Ooh, icy, I think. Yeah, chilly. All right, Jack, let's take away your review with Ideal Home. Okay, I think gay dads who hate each other could be my favourite plotline. Um... Uh, Ideal Home is about Steve Coogan, who's this celebrity chef who lives in this, like, enormous, kitsch, Santa Fe, Breaking Bad villain mansion with his smart and hot husband, Paul Rudd, who sticks around because he has these crippling panic attacks that are actually kind of funny. And also, I think he's actually in love with Steve Coogan, who's just ridiculous. Um, This unexpected grandson rocks up on their American mansion doorstep and they have to try and put their hedonism and tantrums aside to look after him. Obviously, they end up loving it. An ideal home alludes to all the faggy things conservatives would be horrified if their kids were exposed to that are actually just, like, distractions and that the ideal part of a home is more about love and hospitality uh, than their, like, gay porn collection. Ideal Home is probably the best film I've seen about marriage in a long time. I laughed, I cried, I came a little bit. The director also did The Craft, and I think this is the kind of film you can watch a hundred times until you can quote it back to front. It's as good as Love, Simon and way cooler than other gay-for-pay movies like Brokeback or Call Me By Your Name. It even features its own original Sufjan Stevens song, which I had a dream that he died last night. Um, Andre, which one of the dads are you? Uh, I mean, obviously I'm, you know, sexy Paul Rudd. <laughs> who, could, who else could I you be? Wish. Covered in tats. Panicky Paul Rudd. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm on the same wavelength as you. This is the best movie about a marriage since, I don't know, My Best Friend's Wedding or Meet the Fockers. It's uh, a total classic. You didn't mention the wonderful subplot about Taco Bell. It's so hard to cram every good joke yeah. in this movie in, so I decided to do none. But one of the main jokes is that Paul is that Steve Coogan is a total chef. He's a chef in the, in the yeah. movie, but the son, the, the grandson that rocks up only wants to eat Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a real dilemma for Steve Coogan to have dilemma. to like grapple with... like. That's the, kind of the stakes of this movie, which is nice. Which is awesome, yeah. Taco Bell and no Taco Bell, what do we do? Yeah. Um, your this movie is for me in one word barren because it's set in uh, what, what what part of America do Santa you call Fe. that Santa Fe and it's very deserty. Jack in a word for ideal home. Delicious. Let's go to something from MIA now. Uh, this is Borders, and we're going to play it because we got a text in when we were asking what everyone's favourite Sydney Film Festival movie was. Someone said Matangi, my MIA, was the best choice for the film's first this year. Not only an eye-opener in regards to freedom of speech, but also how an artist such as MIA sticks faithful to her artistic integrity without selling out. I think we can all agree on that. Yes. And also, in celebration or in uh, acknowledgement of Refugee Week, uh, MIA is a pop star who always has refugees at the forefront of her music. That's right. And when we come back from Borders by MAA, we're going to be talking to James L. Brown, who's the co-director of Watan, which is uh, a film that's showing at the Refugee Film Festival. Here's Borders by MAA. You're on Movies, Movies, Movies on FBI Radio. Freedom, I 
try to meet him Where should we read him? This one needs a brand new read him Weed and the key Weed and the key them to lie Let's beat him Weed them smartphones Don't beat him by MIA. You're listening to Mornings with Bridie Tanner and we are in the middle of movies, movies, movies with Jack and Andre. It's now time for... Sydney Spotlight. 
And joining us on the line for Sydney Spotlight is a director, James L. Brown. Jack and Andre, would you like to introduce James? Hello, James. Welcome to Movies, Movies, Movies. Great to have you chatting with us. We got you on the phone because your open, your film, Watan, that you co-directed with Bill Irving is opening the Refugee Film Festival in Sydney. And I guess we just want to talk to you about the film and get an idea about what the experience was like filming it and bringing it to Sydney. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we're really excited to have it sort of screen at, at Refugee Film Festival. I think it's such an important film festival and a, um, a great kind of landing spot for, for Watan. Um, yeah, that film, it came about, I think, you know, in sort of 2016, you know, I was, we were sitting in seeing this really distorted sort of uh, perception of what it meant to be a refugee, um, especially in like Australia's media. And I was like, okay, what's an interesting way to combat that? Maybe I can just go and, and have a really unbiased view observationally about, you know, what it means to be a refugee. So I sort of travelled to Jordan by myself, um, just with a really small like camera kit, sound kit, and engaged a, a local line producer over there called Nader. Um, and we sort of spent three to four weeks just travelling around um, the refugee camp, Dartry and Azarek, and some some regional towns, um, Jarash, and just, yeah, really, I don't know, ask similar questions for, you know, to different people about what life was like before the war, why they left their journey, and what, what life's are- like now. What are some of the things that stuck out at you? What What did you find out when you were over in Jordan? I mean, just real similarities in in that life of, of, of what a refugee is now, like what their life was like beforehand and what our lives are like. And I think that was a big part of it. Like, you know, these people were doctors and teachers and living such a, a powerful, beautiful life that had the same sort of, the same love and empathy for everything that we do. But, you know, now through... Uh, an event that have just sort of been so long running now their life is, is is very distorted and they're living with sort of no hope and no future and a little bit lost and stuck and 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 really this ultimate hope for why we called it Watan, which was this hope for homeland like the the concurrent theme just running through the whole thing was this love for home and wanting it to just go back to what it was like and to to travel home and yeah so i think that was it kept coming up always, always. It was like, we just want to go home or we wish it was okay and, you know, we're just sort of a bit lost. So, yeah. James, thank you so much for coming on the line and telling us about your co-directed film, Watan, showing at the Refugee Film Festival, which opens this Thursday night at Dendi Opera Keys. Tickets to that one are eight, started $18 for a concession and go up to $22 full price, showing at 6.30 at night. I can't wait to see that one. Uh, is the is the Refugee Film Festival running for a week, or how long does it go for? It starts on Thursday yeah. night. Can you ask? Yeah, what what are the other films again? Yeah, it runs in. It runs. Uh, yeah, Wednesday night in Melbourne and Thursday night in Sydney, and it's got um, a Wee Wee's feature film, uh, Human Flow, um, and it also has got some yeah really powerful screenings um, called Stop the Boats, which is a Korean productions, and also another one called Hope Road. Thank you so much, uh, James Brown, for telling us all about the Refugee Film Festival and your film, Watan. And thank you so much to Film Lords, Jack and Andre, for coming in to Movies, Movies, Movies today here on Mornings with Bridie Tanner. You can listen back to anything you've ever heard on Movies, Movies, Movies online now. You guys have put it all up on the FBI Radio website. Just Google FBI Radio 
uh, movies and it will probably be right up there in the top of your search bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, you've also got all of your interviews there with Sydney Film Festival celebs, including Soda Jerk, who brought us Terra Nullius. I can't wait to listen to that after I go see that movie tonight. Yes, check it out in the podcast section of the FBI website. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having us. No see you next week. Here's Din with Warm Up. You're on FBI. Bye-bye. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.